Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. This is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Hour number two of Old School on a Wednesday. Huskers are in Ann Arbor. 7 o'clock tip as they face on the Wolverines. And an Is it 7 o'clock tip? 7 o'clock tip? The, our time? 5.30 our time. Yeah, 5.30. Really? Yeah, 5.30. We might have turned this bad boy on. Wrong, wrong. Wrong, wrong. Okay. Why did I think it was 7 o'clock? I don't know. That's what time they usually start. No, it's five thirty. Uh, okay. Who would want to play a game at the five thirty? Why would you do that? What six thirty is Michigan East Coast? Yeah, six thirty for them. What is happening? Still six thirty is an odd time. It must, is it on Big Ten? It must be the first pregame or yeah. the first game, right? You get the women at seven tomorrow. Women at seven tomorrow. Maybe that's or the, six the, the last seven email. Eastern, yeah. The last email I got. Well, I don't know. Some somebody said seven o'clock, but anyway, five thirty tip. So we'll put it up on on the screen here. So we can watch in studio and fill it out. Time to give away squares. We will do one in this segment and one in the last segment. Right? Mm. Last segment. But we'll do some here. Um, wow. Hmm. I came up with a couple. But let me let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I need something that, that stirs it. And remember, get to Buffalo Wings and Rings by 430. My man says pregame is at five thirty. Pregame, no, the the game game's at five thirty. Yeah, hey, literally, you know. What number are he calling from? You know, <laughs> what area code? What is that? I don't know what that is. Texas Jeremy, he said, "Who's the the biggest trash talker you remember from the NFL in Nebraska?" Go ahead, Jay, while I pick this question up. <sighs> well, well, I'd say I would just talked about Will Shields, but the normal guys they would talk a lot of junk. I'm gonna tell you who talked the most junk was uh, Isaac Bruce. He talked to my boy Rayon Hill. I think I chased me and Rayon tried to chase Isaac Bruce around, and it was a preseason game. But he knew it was his last like two series, so he knew we couldn't get him. So it was probably him. Uh, and then Nebraska, everybody talked junk, but Rashawn Jackson did. Rashawn, I'm gonna tell you about Rashawn. He had a he had a unique ability to feel like you know like in you're in the dog days or two a days or something like that, and he knew we say we were full pads in the morning. And he knew we had to get after it. He, he would – Rashawn, I don't know if he ever did any, like, reps, you know, but he would go in between our periods and just hype it up. And then he would get practice going. That's the part of leadership that he had. And then nastiest borderline cheap shot. I always say Kevin O'Dwyer and um, uh, Kevin Mawai. That isn't too – Kevin Mawai was definitely dirty. Dirty is the word you use. Wow. Really? What what what's the line? You put somebody's career in jeopardy. I don't care if you're nasty. If you got me and you dumped me, I mean that's fine. You got me. I, that that's my fault. But if you're hitting me from behind, uh, of course, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dan Neal. Mm-hmm. He was dirty. I kicked him in the face though. Literally kickballed him one time up in Denver. Literally, it was it was. Hey, dude, 
He cut me from behind. They, they, the game was over. Okay? The game was over. Like, the, you know, it's like they're running out the clock. You know? The game's over. You're kind of going over. You're just kind of playing patty cake. They're up by f- 10 points or something. They have the ball. We don't have any timeouts. And he cut me, like, as I was standing there. And literally, you know, and 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 got up. And then he tried to do it again. So I just kind of dipped back and perilous around. And boom, kicked him right in the face. <sighs> Because that that's stuff, the type man. of stuff is unnecessary. Now, was that the probably the best reaction that I should have had? No. You were just going for longest field goal. I would have probably liked to you know see him after the game. But that that's the type of thing that where back then you blow ACL out, you're you're like, oh, that's a scarless letter. Now it's like it's like an everyday occurrence. It's a so thing. it's a thing, or just anything like that. I mean, he was he was a dirty player. Four zero two four six four five six eight five. Uh, this one's called the Jake Sorensen Special. Who is the first Miami Dolphin to win Super Bowl MVP? Who is the first Miami Dolphin to win Super Bowl MVP? I didn't even MVP? know they ever had any. They had a bunch. I know. I'm just joking. They had a bunch. But the first two people who text in with the right answer uh, will get squares. And then we'll do another trivia question uh, later in the show. And the fact that you're Googling – Shame on you. Like, if you're Googling it, you know, shame on you. Like, you're Googling it. I don't understand why you're Googling it. Like, I literally said this yesterday, that if you're paying attention, that, so 704, got it. This person went to my high school. And then Anonymous Cubs. uh, Aaron. Nope, Aaron got it before. No, he didn't. Sorry about that. Anonymous Cubs fan. He got it. Yeah, anonymous Cubs fans got it right. It was Jake Scott, safety Jake Scott. Yeah, number 13, right? Arlington, Virginia's finest. He was number 13, right? Yes. Yeah. Out of He was good. Out of Washington Lee High yeah, School in good, Arlington, man. Virginia, home of Sandra Bullock and others, right? He was good. Yeah. Yeah, good dude too. Uh all the way around. We'll do it again later in it. And if you google the answer, shame on you. Shame on you. You should know this. I, I want to go through some of these MVPs, Jay, because I'm a bit surprised. Um, to tell you that in the first three Super Bowls, the highest passing yardage was 206 yards. <laughs> 206 yards. Yeah. Like, not to say. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was inside run drill, man. <laughs> it, it was inside run drill back in that, those days. Right? That Chuck Howley was the first defensive player to win it and first player to win it on a losing team. Roger Staubach won the MVP by throwing for 119 yards. 119, Jay Foreman. 119. He won the MVP. Uh, somebody need to recalculate. Uh, Zonka ran for th- 33 carries, 145 and two TDs in his MVP. Franco, 158, uh, one TD. Lynn Swan, literally in Super Bowl ten, four catches, 161 yards, one TD, maybe the greatest catch in Super Bowl history. And it was the moment that cemented Super Bowl Sunday for me because it was the first time that I could recall a player on the biggest stage in the biggest game making a play that I couldn't quite wrap my brain around. 
Like him catch, making that catch yeah. uh, 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 against the Cowboys, it looked like a ballerina and Peter Pan had a son. Yeah, it was – It was. Uh... Levitated, went horizontal, stayed in the air for about four seconds, just kind of hanging. Like – Yeah, and Lince Juan, you know, people don't realize, John Stallworth was the big receiver. He was – He was. he's not very big. Um, but he could get up. And, I, you know, the funny thing about – not the funny thing, but the unique thing about Lince Juan is uh, – he was a ballerina, mm-hmm. and obviously you can see it. His ability where you think, oh, you're a receiver, you're a ballerina, you're not tough. No, actually, it makes him more. It it helped him in the sense of he had the body control that was actually well before he was way before his time. Like he was doing things that people did, you know, afterwards. And so, um, you know, when you ask me about the Super Bowl, I don't really have one. Um, What's the best play in Super Bowl history to you? Austin, best play in Super Bowl history. In terms of plays I remember, mm-hmm. uh, Tyrese helmet catch and Jacoby Jones kickoff return after the lights went out. Yeah, that's probably we one. We were there at that one. Becky and I were there at that one. You know, one of my fondest memories of Super Bowl, where you know, I think about it, is I when uh, uh, my Uncle Grease, Gary, he had uh, – people over for a Super Bowl party and it was the 49ers against the the Bengals when they had Icky Woods and all that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was a I grew up a 49ers fan and it was like I remember when John Taylor caught that pass and running around the house celebrating like I had anything to do. <laughs> you know, and it was the first time I was like, "Oh, I got to sit in this seat here because we're winning." You know, and stuff like that. So that's my fondest memory because that was my whole family over there. And that's when I really kind of fell in love with football. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's probably my fondest memory. I think about that all the my time. Favorite, my favorite play, of course, is Rigo. Yeah. And you know what else is the Marcus Allen one? I mean, obviously it was against the – That was the heartbreak. That yeah. was the, that's the, the that play made me the saddest of any right. play. Well, in the, well, well, that – you know what it was? It wasn't that one. It was the interception by number 58 on the screen pass to Joe Swire. Washington. Jack Swire. Yep. I remember. I can't just forget. just pick, just pranced in the end zone. Well, so the real so the story behind it is these t- the Raiders and Redskins played in regular season. Yeah, it was. And it was right good. before the half, they hit him. They hit, hit him with it. Joe Washington. They put Joe Washington in the game. Thiesman threw a screen to him. He went. He went house. Yep. They, they called timeout. They see Joe Washington come in the game. Should have never called timeout. Yep. He <laughs> called timeout. Called, don't, don't they saw it. it. They said okay. Squire, sit on this. There it is. And I, I I have never been sadder. The Marcus Allen run, I've never been as mad as I was because he ran through the whole team and everybody had a shot and nobody. And I, I was miserable. That was terrible. So I think that what's your, is there one that is there a moment that makes you mad? I'd probably say when um, the whole – Giants last drive, David Tyree, lucky catch. I wanted to, I wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted Patriots to go undefeated. Only for Moss, yeah, for only Moss, for Randy but Moss. Just for the fact that they they were the best team, and they, but they got beat, you know, on the biggest stage, on on that, and then obviously Plexico hit him with the fade. I, I you know, to me, to be honest with you, DP, like for me, when I play, you know, being an NFL player and being, I guess. You know, being set up for the letdown when you get you start come out come right out of college, winning, and then you get right into the playoffs, and then realizing what my man Big Bang Henry Jones told me how hard it is to get back. I I was 
then when you're in Houston, you know you're not going. So it's just kind of like I liked, you know, the Super Bowl, but I like I didn't get invested in it. Because it, I was like, man, I'm not even there. It wasn't a possibility. Yeah, it wasn't a possibility. Well, Buffalo, you you know, you could. You well, could oh, we you did. Could, we you, had the you ultimate trip. Right? We had like the, you... Oh, yeah. It was. I still have the memory, man. Me and Keith, <laughs> I'm sorry. Keith, Keith, I'm Newman. sorry, Jay. I ain't made to bring up. I the ultimate trick. Then you see the team get to the Super Bowl. The team that you tricked it off against. Make it all with it. If they had lost the next week, then I would have been like, all right, cool. At least they, we know we would have lost next week. They go all the way. I and mean, then they end up losing to St. Louis. Losing. Just an inch short. Yep. Two Mike inches Jones. short. Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. <laughs> it was Missouri Tigers' finest. It was. It was. I, I remember the people in Atlanta just yelling that, "Yeah, ball don't lie." Yeah. Like that. That foot. Is it probably the same foot that ref <laughs> that ref should have said that it was that it was a forward pass? It's the, it still was a forward pass, man. Oh man, like that's real, right? No, yeah, like it really was real. a forward pass. Yeah. Yeah, it's all I, good. I, I, it I'm happens. Sorry. I'm sorry, Jay. Um, tonight, five thirty, Ann Arbor. What can we expect? Like, is there is there? I'd a- like to expect the same energy, effort, um, and start that we got, you know, last game against Penn State. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you can't worry about the guys that are out for the whole season. You got to work, you know, you got to think like, okay, hopefully these guys are catching, you know, the rhythm. Now you got to expect that they're going to really, really, you know, focus in on, on Casey, right? So now we need Greasel and Walker to start extremely fast and, and the third option. So whether it's CJ off the bench, giving good minutes, it, you know, is a, is a, you know, both sides of the floor defensively, uh, we got to come out with the the intensity and the scrappiness to take all momentum away from Michigan right from the get go. Make them earn for everything. Generally, teams come out at home and they're gonna you know hit the first couple shots. Let's make sure that we execute. I think the spacing of the of the of the of the offense last week led to more efficiency, which allowed Kase to get off to really good. When you, when you're hitting like he is, you're not hitting. Well, I want to say this to make sure you, when you're hitting and like he is right from the get-go when you're a good shooter like that that lets me know the spacing and the timing of the offense is really good so you're getting open shots and open looks so it's not like you're going up and hitting those step step back fade away threes on a six eight guy closing out hard on you running you off the three-point line you're getting a lot of open looks the rhythm is good the pace of the game is good um you know, Lawrence is playing. It's going to be a big, you know, challenge for him to go on the road. Now he's kind of been out there, so now they, they got some tape on him. They're going to focus in on him. But I think they got to get out to a good start, withstand the run, and then be able to go on their run um, themselves. Because, you know, when you play, like, you know, I went to the uh, Lincoln Southeast Bellevue West game last night. So you got to understand that Bellevue West, they they have the capability to go on some runs. You have to understand why they went on the runs try to, you know, limit them. You know, if the runs – you don't want a 20-0 run. If they get a 10-0 run, let's reset, reevaluate. That's what Nebraska has to do. They're going to go on a run. These guys are on scholarship. They're well-coached. They're a good program. They're desperate, you know, in the desperate in the sense of they, ha- they need this win to kind of get to where they want. Nebraska needs this win to kind of keep their head above water, right? Um, but they're also set up – perfectly for you to knock them off 
but you have to go earn it. And you got to be able to you got we got to hit free throws on the road. We have got to shoot we have got to find a way to shoot our best percentage when we're going to start going on the road. How many shots does Derek Walker need to take now? Between him and Sam Greasel, the first six times, I want three shots each. I want you to force the ball against Dickinson. D. Walk has showed you that he can play and, and get the, his shot off at the hoop or close to the hoop against somebody seven foot four. Dickinson isn't scaring him at all. Find a way, as the same way that we were operated to get Casey open, find a way to get D. Walk, Greasel looks as well. Then Casey will pop open. Because if you come out and think you're gonna, if you you think you're gonna put in the portal what you did against Penn State and think that Jawan Howard and their their and their coaching staff is gonna let you is, is gonna guard you like Penn State, then you might as well not even go take the take the take the floor. Just get in the plane and come home. So let's attack them a different way because they are focusing on thirty. Biggest stat of the night: fouls or turnovers? Turnovers. Yeah. Turnovers. Turnovers. I think Nebraska has enough smart players on, you know, say like the, you know, top, middle, and bottom, and depth as far as big guys, as far as, you know, the handle if there is some. Um, but turnovers, because that's we need possessions. We need possessions. I think I think this team is a little different than last year. You get more possessions. I think they've done a good enough job to to evaluate themselves in game to reset and and get more efficient in good possessions versus last year. So a lot of times you saw a lot of, you know, YOLO ball, right? So th- th- this is the game you need to keep the turnovers down. Um, and what, what that comes down to is that extra step to the ball, um, still having good spacing in your offense, but then also being able to go get the ball with that extra step and then take that step back to keep the spacing good, right? And then also cutting efficient, efficiently and move with a purpose. You got to move extra with, with extra purpose on the road. You get what I'm saying? Well, we always teach when you're putting, putting this offense in, you're doing your install, the speed in which you go from three-point line to front of rim matters. Yeah. It matters. You can't just float through there. Yeah, you can't You can't. You got to plant your foot because you should beat a defender to a spot where you know where you're going and he does. Make them work. And, you know, one thing I, I – I, um, what – I guess this is going back to the game last night where guards don't understand, and this is probably because they're not – a lot of coaches don't teach them basketball or things bigger than basketball besides trying to shoot threes and score mm. the ball, is when you pound the ball so much and over-dribble, you're actually exerting more energy. So then, therefore, you can't play defense on, 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 on the other side of the court. And now you're, you're stymieing the, the pace of the offense. So if you go back to when when they, when Nebraska played Michigan State, that ball movement you didn't see a lot of pounds on the ground. It was it was like one or two dribbles, either getting rid of it or shooting it. I, I think that's of one of one of the underestimated, unwatched stats: number of dribbles after the catch. Yeah, like purposeful dribbles after the right. catch. Yeah, like and I think look when this team plays for that when when Lawrence has got it going, you didn't see a lot of dribbles right? that last game. When when when. When Sam gets his back to the basket, it might be the only time I'm okay with with an extra dribble. Right, because he can pass out of the double team and he can kind of dictate the pace 
and, and body blow you there. That's the same as yeah. a probe, that yeah. he's just moving the right. defense. And he's allowing the shooters to move from side to side in that space. And I think it's important. But can they – high-low this thing with Dickinson. Can you run Greasel Walker high-low game at the post, pick and roll at the post against Dickerson? Oh, yeah, because he, he can't move his feet as good as he, as, he, as he should be or can. That's probably why he's still in college. So I think that if you could uh, get him into some pick-and-roll situations and, and and finish up through his body. Now, granted, he's going to block a couple because he's, you know, seven foot, what, what, seven foot one. Um, you know, got long arms and stuff like that, but I think you can get into his body and his in his chest. And when you've seen when he struggled or when he has struggled over his career is when people have put him in situations kind of like a uh uh what's the dude that just got traded to the Timberwolves uh from Utah? Um he just got traded this offseason. Donovan. No, the we went from the Utah Jazz. Oh, Rudy. To, yeah. Go Rudy Gobert. When he struggles is when he has to defend pick and roll out in space. So what I what I'd like to see, okay, yeah, Michigan might try to crank up the pressure, you know, closer to half court. That's fine. Actually, that's where we want. So won't you bring Big Boy out here, right, and get you in a pick and roll situation? And even if you don't switch, right, and you just fight through it, now you're one on one with D Walker with more space versus when you get towards the three point line, and it's kind of more congested. So actually, you want to use their aggressiveness against them. So I think if they can do that, that's their lifeline. That's their big guy. That's like the head of the snake. You get him in foul trouble, you take the momentum out of it. You you know, if people would start to think about the game differently versus so focused on what they're doing, if you really show up with the objective to win a game on the road, how do you dictate the crowd? The crowd, when you're at the free throw line, they're cheering for you to miss it, but you the momentum is gone because they don't even have the ball. You know, just imagine, just think about this now. Like if Nebraska is on the road, crowd's going crazy, and, Jam- and Lawrence hits a free throw, two of them. The decibels go from here to now. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, then where's the energy level for the Michigan players? Now the, the crowd is waiting for you to do something. And they have to go create it. They, now they have to go create it. So you can kind of dictate it yourself, but you have to think about it differently to get to where you want. Michigan is at uh, what, 14-11, and 13-11? Can you find that number? Nebraska is at 11-13. and 13. And having the conversation today with folks in Detroit who said that, wow, Fred Hoiberg's done a better coaching job this year than Jawan Howard. You agree with that or not? Considering uh, the teams that they had, yeah. The team, you know, when you're coming into this season, sure. Right? I mean, you that, got a, that, you got an all Big Ten player, right? It, it is for Dickinson, and then you got both Howards, and then you had a really good recruiting class and returning players. Yeah, of course you would say that. I would say so, and I'm a big Juwan Harrell fan. Michigan's for, thirteen and ten, seven and five in conference. Right. So, yeah. so Austin, I'll ask you, who's done the better coaching job? I'm biased. It's probably Fred because of you know the big change he underwent. He was willing to do it. Uh, Michigan did lose Jalen Llewellyn to injury, which is a big deal for them. I've been impressed with uh, the younger Howard Jet, but it's still Michigan. That's still a basketball tradition school to some degree. Would Nebraska be over 500 with Juwan and Bandemo? Mm. Full season. Uh, I don't know because it's the same team that we've seen them go on the road and, and sometimes lay eggs, though. 
I think they would be better off. At, I think, like I said, I I said this earlier. I felt like this team would hit, start hitting their stride halfway through the season afterwards, and I thought they would give a lot of people problems. Mm-hmm. So I think eventually they would end up there, but I don't know if they'd be there right now. Do but. Do those two guys swing the road game at Penn State? That's the question, right? Because that takes you. Cause, well, that's the is that because it's a different hurt? conversation if we're if this team is twelve and twelve right now. Do oh, they yeah. swing Maryland right? on the road? Right, yeah. like t- this team being twelve and twelve, the entire space is different. Yeah, and that's why I thought one game. So if you're going to evaluate it on the swing game, mm-hmm. the perspective advantage changes all over the place. All right, we'll go to break. We'll come back. We'll give away uh, another set of squares and then set the table because it's Super Bowl week. I'll ask Jay who he thinks the best player on the field will be Sunday in Arizona. Watch Old School Live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with DP and Jay on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.